Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups. And my guest today is Arjun Rai. Arjun, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Absolutely. Thank you. It's such an honor to be on your show. And hello from New York City. New York City, just hopefully post Ida, as I uh, hope yep. you've recovered. You can see he's in his bomb shelter right there. He's, <laughs> he's ducked down and, and trying to, to stay safe in the storm. But yep. Marjorie, if you were and I were at a networking event, man, just introduce yourself to me. Sure. Um, so I would say usually, hey, uh, my name is Arjun, like Argentina without the Tina. Uh, I'm the founder of Hello Woofy, which is uh, smart marketing for underdogs. Uh, and, and we call small business owners like you and me, the, the underdogs of the world who don't really have a degree or a PhD in, in digital marketing. But, you know, we, we help you out with some smart technology here and there to optimize a whole bunch of things, including social blog and smart speaker marketing. So school, background, education, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Oh boy. So, so I would say I was a terrible student uh, for the longest time. I was the best entrepreneurs thinking, probably are. Yeah. I was for the longest time I was thinking about, you know, how could I do my own thing all the way from seventh grade? I was researching the, the Bill Gates, the Steve Jobs of the world. I even reached out to a couple of you know notable names from the Forbes 400 and uh, eventually got to a couple of them and had a conversation and exchanged a couple of messages. So I would say uh, been been an entrepreneur at heart from a very young age, but uh, for, as far as college is concerned, I went to the New York Institute of Technology here on the Upper West Side, um, about uh, 40 blocks from where I live now. And uh, but I had a, like a 60%, maybe 50% absence rate because I was every single week, almost every single day, I was at a meetup, I was at a conference, some sort of a dinner where there were entrepreneurs, there were investors, people who I can learn from, you know, get mentorship from. And so I, I really did turn the city into my own playground, if you will, for all my entrepreneurial endeavors. Um, so that's that's that. Originally from India, born in India, New Delhi, and moved to Chicago when I was four years old. And so did the whole immigrant thing. You know, moved around every six months, three months, you know, one year, and uh, multiple apartments, multiple cities, and uh, finally settled in in New Jersey, Central Jersey, where my dad still has his house. And I, I've been in New York for ten years. So I am really interested, and you can go through this as quickly or as, as <laughs> serendipitously as or, you know, as serpentine through this process you want to, but I'm curious the, the roadmap. So let's, let's talk maybe, and you may even go pre-grad, you know, pre-NYIT time, mm -hmm. but, you know, what's the, what's been some of the things that you've tried that either, you know, were somewhat successful or were miserable failures, or I'm just really curious okay. the we want to tell the whole story. Yeah, I'll I'll stick to Hello Wolfie. I mean, in the beginning, um, in the in the beginning, it was just an idea, and I was trying to build a platform for people on the go who were influencers and creators this was back in 2016. And uh, because with my previous company, I knew that shipping product is is very very important. Not scope creeping, getting an MVP out the door, getting it into the hands of customers. So when I started this company, it was very important for me to find the right resources that were incredibly affordable and scalable, uh, which included uh, at that time Upwork, you know, talent on Upwork. Mm -hmm. And um, 
in fact, at that time, it wasn't even called Upwork, it was called something else. Um, but uh, I, I quickly realized that that was the best way to, to prove an idea as, as I was you know, working on my next thing. And so I guess learning from my mistakes and with my previous venture uh, in terms of startup was that you, know, you gotta get the MVP out the door. And if you don't, you can you know, literally be caved in with your scope creeping, with your wireframing and yeah. all nine years and never, never actually deliver a product. So that was one mistake I found and I had to solve when I was building Hello Wolfie. Then I realized that raising capital from people is one thing and then taking their advice is another. Um, <laughs> usually it's not, it's usually you think that, you know, everyone has your best interest at heart, at heart but when we uh, when we end up raising capital from one specific uh, you know investor, we we you know brought on a CTO that they recommended. We brought on a senior developer that they recommended, and both of them caused more issues than than mm. anything else. And I had to fire both of them. And then with 10k in the bank, uh, I had to basically put down 120 thousand dollars in credit cards, 50 thousand in cash to you know quote unquote turn the company around. And that was back in 2018 um after uh, after a series of decisions and so i learned that you have to vet everyone that comes to your to, to the table um no matter how you know how vetted they are by other people or you know if you got the references from other people so i learned quickly that investor how, and employee alike yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. so we then uh, we, we then were able to find a great team again back on upwork um that uh we were able to scale with and within a year we relaunched the company um, uh, unfortunately, my mom passed away in the middle of that while we were relaunching the company. So, had some, uh, you know, the, the, it, it just had some moment to kind of look inside and see what was important to me and what was not important to me. And uh, thank God, one of the one of the investors came in um, through Meet the Drapers. If you know Tim Draper, he uh, his show ended up reaching out to us saying, "Hey, you know, we heard some good things about you. You know, we'd love for you to be on the show." Um, originally they rejected us and then they they sent me an email a, a few days later and saying hey you know if you can make it to California it'll be great um, and so I ended up winning the show second place and we, we were broadcasted in front of like tens of millions of people and uh, we raised you know nearly $730,000 in equity crowdfunding so our customers kept investing wow. and the public kept investing so a lot of miracles happened and I was just saying the, the other lesson is if you keep on going the only thing you have to worry about is outlasting your next competitor. It's kind of like the the the, the saying, you know, if, if there are two people running away from the bear, the, the other person just has to run faster than exactly. the other person, right? <laughs> and so I realized that, you know, this isn't about getting to a billion dollar status or a unicorn status in 12 months. This is about building product, growing steadily, providing value to your customers, showing revenue, showing, you know, steady growth. And so I, I almost took a meditative approach to saying, okay, I need to steadily grow this into the biggest company, helping the smallest. Um, so there are quite a few lessons along the way, both on the product, technical, hiring, raising capital. I mean, there's so much. It's probably going to be worth a movie at some point. That That is one that I would certainly watch because I'm, I'm a little bit like you. I'm a little bit of an entrepreneurial junkie. Yeah. So, you know, it's like my crack. So, I, you know, it's it's what I, what I listen to. I spend time thinking about for sure. But... I'm curious, the uh, two things that, I mean, as you were, you were talking, two things that came to mind. One was like, you know, what was the, how does Hello Woofy look different today than it did yeah. when you first launched it? Because it sounded like there was a pretty oh. major shift in there somewhere. It's so funny. I was just pulling out some old business cards and how the logo looked because um, uh, we, we had stickers that said um, social media's best friend. 
Mm -hmm. And uh, now I'll, I'll share my screen real quick. It's you'll see in my deck. It says "Hello Wolfy, Smart Marketing for Underdogs," and it's it's interesting because you know over a period of time you start iterating, you start um, uh, pitching the company and seeing what sticks, what doesn't stick, what the feedback is. This one of the other lessons is listen to your customers and the audience and investors, and you know average out the entire. Uh, feedback that, that ends up coming in. So we we constantly kept changing the the, the logo, mm -hmm. not not so much a logo, but more as a slogan. Right. So that and one would resonate. Yeah. So one would resonate more. And today, I think smart marketing. We don't even say AI driven and data science. We don't get into the the comp, you know complexities of it. It's just smart. You know, just simply smart, third grade level language. Um, and so so that's one of the things I would say. Originally, we actually just started off as a as an iOS app. And we said we need to build this for creators on the go while they're in their you know cars uh, you know heading to the airport. Um, we need to build it you know not for a desktop but for a mobile device. And we quickly figured out that was a mistake. All of our customers wanted the desktop. Today mm -hmm. they asked for an app as well. We have an app version, right. which is a you know a much simpler version. But we uh, we realized that we should have talked to the customer ahead of time. Um, and uh, but we got some market validation as a result. Um, as well. So now we're not only an iOS mobile app, we're now on almost every major, every major platform through the web. And we have an Android app and also a, um, an iOS app. Now, in addition to that, we have a presence on Amazon Alexa, we can talk about later in terms of smart speaker marketing. But there's just, again, we listened to what was sticking, what isn't sticking on the product side, on the branding side. Um, even our logo, I had a friend from college make the original logo, and then we ended up hiring someone from online. And so now, and it's actually a real dog. Um, it's, uh, I'll show you my, this is my dog in yeah. real life. And so we were like, we got to support small businesses. So we, we basically built, uh, made the, uh, the dog with my glasses. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It's some, it's, it's a mashup between the owners. So yes, <laughs> yes. He's a four-year-old little, little puppy for sure. Yeah. I see it. Is that like a Maltese or? It is. Yeah, okay. exactly. I grew up right. in Maltese. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious when you, when you talked about kind of you know, funding in your kind of your, in your, after your pivot, you know, after you had to, had to leverage your credit cards to the max yeah. and, you know, get all these bank cards. And, I, and you know, I'm sure you got some airline miles thrown in there because, the, you know, that type of thing, but yeah. how does the, the, the people that invested, if it was kind of crowdsourced, is this one of these things where you say, okay, you know, everybody that kicks in a hundred bucks, will give you two years worth of service, or is it like yeah. a, a Kickstarter yeah. kind of campaign? Yeah, sort of. So the difference between equity crowdfunding and crowdfunding is exactly that, where you can get um, an option or essentially a promise to shares in the company. Um, so traditionally, Kickstarter did really well. Indiegogo did really well to get your loyal customers involved and, and become your champions. But after a couple of companies that you know, had raised through crowdfunding you know, went to you know, sell or they had some sort of an exit, you know, the customers thought to themselves, well, we took the biggest risk because in some cases, none of these companies actually shipped. So it's a, quite a bit of a risk on the customer side to say, hey, I really like this idea. I'm going to put down $100 or $500 and maybe get my product or right. a year or two later. And then they would see that, hey, some of these companies were selling for a lot of money or, uh, or appreciating in value for a lot. So Long story short, equity crowdfunding called Reg CF and Reg A came out and and you know allowed your customers to invest in the company, own shares in the company, or at least have the promise to um, through a, a vehicle called convertible notes or mm -hmm. safe. Yeah, um, safe notes. And safe. and so yeah, so in our case, we actually turned it into a business model. We said, hey, you know, grab you know grab a 
grab um, a, a license from us for $49 a year, $99 a year. We have plans that go all the way up to $1,200 a year and, and they do 10 times, 20 times more than what our competitors do. So grab the license, grab it on a yearly basis. It's a lifetime deal. So every year is the same price and invest as low as $100 into our previous campaigns. Uh, we're getting ready to launch another campaign soon as well. Um, and you can, you know, you can have shares in the company and use the, sh and, the and you can use uh, the software and be an evangelist and be an ambassador and affiliate. If you're going to affiliate, you potentially can make all of it back, your investment plus the amount you spend on the software itself, potentially. So it's actually a part of our business model now. We let our customers invest on an ongoing basis through equity crowdfunding platforms like WeFunder and Republic. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, to just put it in numbers, our average lifetime value before we introduced the new pricing tiers was about $500. And so if a customer potentially was putting in $100, that lifetime value theoretically went up 20%. Now, I don't know anything else that gives you an increase in lifetime value from a customer by 20%. And, and it just creates that loyalty. And then if you create a Facebook group, if you create a Slack channel, however you want to nurture your, your followers and listen to them for their feedback, that, that relationship is so much stronger than any other company. So how do you, how do you determine, I mean, did you have to place a valuation on the company and then yeah. you say, okay, you know, you kick in $200 and you get one tenth of one percent of a share yeah. or something like that so it's so. all proportional um you know it's 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 you know it's all proportional in terms of how much you put in and how much the valuation of the company is there's a cap on the on the convertible note as well so it has to you know convert at a certain level before mm -hmm. the next you know the next tranche but um i we originally started off at a three million dollar valuation and then on on the show on the meet the draper show tim asked me so what's the valuation? And then, and, you know, say that on the, on the camera. And so I was like, okay, it's $5 million is, you know, I had a range and I had talked to Republic before. And so I picked 5 million and then I said 5 million on the TV show. And then once the TV show was done, um, we raised on a pre-money of 9 million. And uh, so it was, we, we kept on increasing depending on our, our, our uh, revenue our growth um, and, and the product side. And this, this regulation, this allows like non-qualified investors to actually invest yeah. in a startup. Non-accredited investors, yeah. Non-accredited, um, yeah. Yeah, and there's a limit. Is there a, a cap? I'm sorry, go ahead. Finish what you were saying and then I'll ask you the question. Yeah, so you're actually, that's exactly it. The, the, it. There is a cap, depends on your income. So you just have to go through the platforms and they'll tell you how much you can invest depending on your income. But um, it is highly risky. This is why we have to file a lot of documentation. It's called a Form C. Um, and we have to be audited every year to, to make sure that our financials are straight. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of legal stuff we have to do, but it's almost like an IPO, but it's a lot simpler. Yeah. Um, but and if you do Reg A, you're, you could be spending a lot, 10 times more capital and legal fees, but the Reg A allows you to raise, you know, a lot more money as well. I mean, one interesting thing is that, you know, so oftentimes, and I think you mentioned it earlier, oftentimes you, with with money, you get advice, <laughs> yeah. but if you've got 10,000 shareholders, then, you know, at, that own one, one hundredth of a percent, you know, yeah. they, they don't have a lot of voice in, in the direction of the company, you know, it's kind yeah. of, it's kind of death, it's diluted, you know, voice or whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. So the original investors prior yeah. to say 2018, are they still engaged in the, in the company? Yeah. Even the ones that you had to fire their best friends that they ask you to hire. 
I mean, if we if we promise uh, shares, they they and they they run a schedule or they vested or we we you know it depends on the individual use case uh, the individual um, circumstances. But um, you know, we had allotted uh, ten percent originally in terms of an employee pool. We increased it to five to eleven percent. And so as people came in and, and left, or as advisors came in and left, we were you know thanking them for their service with with shares or or, or other other ways um but so that's just that's just you know normal business you have to create an employee pool you have to right. have packages you have to incentivize and, and things like that um but uh it, it has done really well for me in terms of you know having that mindset of mm -hmm. you know structuring the company from the get-go in that way because a lot of founders don't realize that from the get-go from the incorporation you have to divvy up your shares the employee pools you have to think about advisory agreements, you know, clawbacks, founder agreements, things of the nature. So highly recommend getting a great attorney that knows what he or she is talking about or doing and, uh, and uh, especially in the venture side. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is wise advice. That's what's certainly wise advice. I don't want to waste all your time just asking you to do an investor 101 class. So I yeah. really want to talk about the product. I want to talk sure. about the company. So sure. drill down like you know, you and I are stepping on an elevator and we're going to go up 10 floors. We got about 45 yeah. seconds, man. Pitch me, pitch me. Hello, Woofy. Absolutely. And, and this is actually what I typically do on Clubhouse, um, which I highly recommend. If you don't know what Clubhouse is, Google it and join it. It's the new social media network, which is social audio driven. And a lot of the stuff that we're doing is, is relevant to social audio and social audio commerce. So at this stage, I want to tell people we're seeing some screen sharing here. So if you're listening to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, audio only, I encourage you to go to our YouTube channel, risingtidestartups.com, and the exact episode is on YouTube, and you'll be able to see the slides. Yeah, that's a great point, and I'll, I'll try to uh, visualize most of the things that I'm talking about as well. So for your viewers, I'm essentially going to be pitching, uh, uh, you know, or listeners, I'm going to be pitching and with a couple of slides, slides associated, but I'll, I'll make sure that I'm, I'm being audible as well. So the pitch is very simple. Hey, uh, hey, um, you know, potential investor. Uh, my name is Arjun, uh, like Argentina without the Tina. I'm the founder of Hello Wolfie, which is a smart marketing for uh, mar smart marketing for underdogs. And the core of the problem that we're trying to solve is that at the end of the day, people like you and me, the underdogs, we have zero insights into you know tools like this, which look very clunky, very uh, you know, very um, overly simplified. They do not tell you was it the words, the emojis, the hashtags. What are the ingredients that go into perfecting a perfect, you know, marketing message? They don't give you any of those, you know, pieces of information to make a better decision. And then when you take a look at this slide, where you see something which is enterprise grade, very complicated, very complex, it makes you feel like you need a PhD in marketing to understand how do you take any of those data, go back to your team, create your own content because it doesn't do it for you, and then you also have to distribute it on your own. So despite spending hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions, it doesn't do much of the work. So when you come into Hello Wolfy, what you'll see immediately is that the dashboard is designed to be very white, white, uh, white space or colorful, um, because each of the colors uh, determine you know different functionalities. So for example, purple means long-term strategies, which is the button on the left, and blue means short-term strategies. And in this case, as soon as you start typing a single post, it'll automatically start completing a sentence for you. So for your listeners who are listening in, all I did was type in H O W for how space A for how are you, but I haven't even completed the word A-R-E and is already suggesting A-R-E with the following word, which is you. And of course that sounds good, how are you? And then I'm gonna say, I love, but just stop at the O and love. It'll automatically complete the sentence for me. 
and then continue so on and so forth and say, and my coffee. But then what you'll notice below is that it's starting to give you emoji recommendations based on what you're typing in real time. Now, this is the probably the, one of the most important things to talk about because in 2021, we're all cavemen, we all like our visuals and studies show based on Adobe's research that emojis tend to drive a lot of engagement and a lot of purchase intent. So again, for your viewers or listeners who are listening in, what I'm showing now is a complex network graph. It's a web showing you the relationship to each word, to each emoji, to each hashtag, so that you can understand how the three languages coexist, come up with the perfect marketing message. That's and, that's the and that's the technology we're using here. Good. That is amazing. Yeah. And we're also tracking what emojis are being used in real time, what's popular, what's trending. So you can you know, see it in real time if you wanted to. And then based on what you typed in so far, we'll even find images that are royalty free that you could use, such as you know, these images here that you're seeing about coffee, about love, because I typed in words you know, related to that. And then accordingly, I can choose those images and throw them in. Or if I want to you know, transcribe it, for example, a motivational image, uh, for example, you know, make this day great, throw that image in there. I can find hashtags and emojis based off the image, but I can also transcribe the image word for word. So this image says, make this day great. All I have to do is uh, it'll read the image for me, throw the, the text from the image directly into the post, and it'll automatically you know, give me more emojis as well based on that. And so there are, there's a lot of smart technology built in. We realize we should, we should start with social media, then we expand it to blogging, and that allows you to essentially autocomplete entire blog posts. But I think the most important thing, and I think something that I'm really proud of with my team to be out built, is the ability to broadcast directly to your customers' living rooms um, or wherever their Alexa smart speakers are, so long as they opt in with marketing content or top of funnel educational thought leadership content. And the reason is because there are half a billion devices around the world, but only 400 business apps, and a third of them don't even work. So this video you're seeing now is an example of my living room with all you know all of these apps which are you know built by multi-billion dollar broadcasting companies. But what about the Rising Tide podcast or the you know the Joe Coffee you know app or Skill? It's too complicated for you to build one and then keep maintaining it and then have the infrastructure broadcast. In our case, just go into our platform, schedule a video on the right, uh, text on the left, links below the text as well, and you can literally have your customer click on the link after you say, hey, this is Rising Tide podcast. If you wanna learn more about the tips and tricks we talk about today in the two minutes, click on the link to the left and join our Rising Tide mastermind starting this weekend. And then guess what? You can take the customer to your website on the TV or the smart speaker, which is you know with a touchscreen built in, and that could be a call to action. Hold up your phone, call Kevin directly, call Bob directly, call Lisa directly, and you know talk to their sales team, sales team or you know make a quick phone call as well. And so there's a lot of capabilities that, again, have been kept away from small businesses. Um, and we're trying to make this old school approach, which is infomercials, new school with all of this amazing smart speaker technology, but affordable for everyone. So that's kind of where we're coming from in terms of our, our data science and, and, you know, and research that we're doing. But again, it's smart marketing for underdogs. That is that is incredible. Now, now is when you integrate into Alexa or whatever, mm -hmm. is there a is that a paid service? Is that, you know, I can just it's like that old joke that talks about, you know, you have you seen it and said, you know, United the Postal Service says, you know, you're trying to track your package the Postal Service okay. says you sent a package. You know, UPS <laughs> says, yeah, we're in front of your house in a brown truck and, and Amazon yeah, yeah. goes, we're standing in your living room. 
Um, is that is it that I hate to use the word intrusive, but I mean, I no, can't no, think no, of a better no. word, all, you know, it's all about letting your customer, your follower, your listener tune in after opting into the service. So you would say, hey, download the Rising Tides app or skill. And then as soon as the person says that to the entire, you know, to their speaker, it'll download that app or skill to all of the speakers. And then once you do that, then that means that you have the ability to uh, you as a creator can broadcast, you can notify the speakers, you can tell them when, you know, you might be going live with an offer. The fact of the matter is there are half a billion devices. I have 11, most people have, you know, one or two. And there are these devices that are just sitting there and big companies like Netflix and Hulu are able to capitalize on the attention and the access. Yep. But if you, if you opt in to listen to, you know, Kevin's, you know, uh, you know, uh, thought leadership content, or maybe Oprah's the next Oprah Winfrey's, you know, thought leadership co content, or if you're trying to be the next top chef, you know, like Gordon Ramsay, you can have direct access, but then at certain tiers, you can have e-commerce access too. You can mm -hmm. have your customers buy from you, hold up their phone, call your sales team. And uh, it's never been done before, but, you know, we actually have built the technology now or in the process of building attribution analytics, um, but it's all going to be affordable for small businesses. That is, that's incredible. I mean, so many times the the guests we've had on Rising Tide, we've, we've asked them kind of what that business origin story is. And yeah. so often it was built out of their own frustrations. So yep. how did the idea for this, you know, how did you come up with the idea? So for, for us, it was all about making sure that uh, the, the digital marketing just was dumb, simple, idiot proof for everyone. You didn't need a degree. You didn't need a, a sophisticated certificate to be able to do really well for your business and, and succeed and beat your, comp your competitors that have unlimited marketing budgets. So if, if we could allow you to essentially win against unlimited marketing budgets with smart, speak, you know, smart marketing technology for the price of a cup of coffee, then you had a fighting chance. Now, when you hear in last year, 400,000 businesses, nearly half a million businesses shutting down, they don't exist anymore. And that's because they couldn't get out of their own way uh, in terms of traditional marketing, mm -hmm. traditional mindsets, and being seen more by not only their existing customers, but by new customers. Yeah. So, I mean, we're always, you know, doing moonshot projects. We're always trying to come up with new ways to, um, to allow small businesses not only to create content, but distribute the content. I mean, one of the things that we're working on right now is the ability to uh, essentially use AR technology, augmented reality, and you can literally, if I'm showing viewers right now, the ability to see your posts, walk amongst your posts, almost like a gallery and say, oh, I want to post this today. I don't like this. I'm going to push that post over. And imagine having an art gallery full of marketing content posts from your category and your library and your Hello Wolfie account. And, and then being able to visually say, okay, this makes sense. This is going to go out tomorrow, next week, next month, you know, things like that. And so we're always pushing. I mean, we have a couple of things that we didn't even talk about that we're working on, but it's all about bringing small business marketing to the future, but today. So all you've done is you've created a re repeat customer that you're going to have to come back in about six months and share the, all the new, new tech you, you've created in the last six yeah. months. Because I, it's like, I mean, I can just picture this mad scientist sitting in his office, you know, every day, just, <laughs> you know, trying to come out. He's got a huge whiteboard, probably has whiteboards on about three walls in the office so he can ride everywhere. And yeah, well, come up with my, ideas. my New York City apartment is more like uh, two, uh, like one wall and a door and a window. <laughs> but yes, in my head, I have I have all of that. I mean, I actually have a whole bunch of ideas that we're 
constantly working on, you know, you, you, who knows where quantum computing might help marketers, yeah. who knows where, you know, different technologies that are moonshots today can help others. So we're, we're constantly thinking about that. So who, who is your, who's the, the ideal customer for Hello oh. Ruby? Such a great question. So majority of our customers are women. Uh, they tend to be um, coaches, podcasters. They tend to be direct marketers, um, e-commerce store owners, or somewhat of a hybrid retail and e-commerce store owners. Um, and they tend to be between the ages of 40 and 60. So we know exactly our avatar. We know exactly the kind of person. A lot of them are moms or working moms from home. Um, and, and so we're always constantly looking to you know, reach out to more people like that. Um, of course, we have men on the platform too, but like I said, majority of our customers are along those lines. And so, and, and we figured out over time that listening to your customers in the Facebook group, in our case, is content masters. It really allows you to figure out exactly what to build next, how to build it 90% of the time. 10% of the time, like Steve Jobs said, you don't have any idea or the customer doesn't have any idea that they even wanted it right. in terms of the feature or the right. product. So my, my goal and my motto is spend 90% of your time in things you know really well, listen to your customers, you know, add that to the roadmap, and then a small sliver of 10% of your resources should go towards moonshots. So the Alexa speaker came out of that. The Google Chrome extension where you can literally type anywhere on the internet came out of that. Um, the AR project is in that phase right now and will be uh, deployed in the next couple of weeks. So there's always that approach that you should be taking in my opinion, especially if you're a small company, but also as a big company. Yeah. It's kind of like that Google 20% of their time was spent yeah. on just kind of un, unrelated product projects or whatever. I would have completely and utterly missed your ideal client. I would have guessed something completely different. I would have said, these are like maybe social media managers. They're probably mm -hmm. pretty young demographically. This is just making their job so much easier because they have to create all this content and and you know the platform yeah. is doing it for them you know yeah, almost, and, I, and so. i'm surprised in most cases the business owner is in that age and that you know in that avatar but they will bring on other people who are you know are are a bit younger mm -hmm. but majority of our customers even if they're doing it themselves they tend to be between 40 and 60. Hmm. well it's it's good that that i mean I, i'm in that demographic so it's good that we're, we're still tech savvy you know, yeah <laughs> at least I mean, I'm tech, tech savvy enough yeah, that's right I'm, I'm turning 30 in, in, uh, in four days or so. Um, yeah, four days. So uh, <laughs> you're time. catching us. That's right. There we go. I'm curious, like if you look back now, go back to 2016, 2015, yeah. about the time that you were kind of really formulating this, what, what do you know now that you wish you would have known then that would have saved oh, you boy. just one or two things that would have saved you so much time and effort that may yeah. have a little bit of a universal, you know, appeal. Yeah, it would definitely have been making sure that the, I would say, um, you know, like I said earlier, knowing how to hire, knowing how to raise mm. capital, knowing how to deliver the product, even if it's not ready to ship, you're just shipping it anyways to get the feedback, knowing how to build a community on Facebook groups, because um, we started as a whim, but it turned into our one of our biggest lead gens all of a sudden. Um, knowing how to do paid advertising very effectively and knowing what ROAS means, which is return on ad spend, mm -hmm. uh, knowing how business manager works on Facebook, um, knowing how to put clawbacks in advisory documents or in co-founder documents, knowing how to, you know, take a look at equity crowdfunding so you can understand how to raise capital from the public markets and also just hanging out with more rich people. Um, because the richer you get, the easier it gets to get rich. Uh, someone once said that. 
And so, you know, for Mark Cuban getting a getting a, a a spot on you know tomorrow morning CNBC you know morning interview is not hard, but for me to do it, you know, I'd have to pull in, pull a couple of strings, talk to a couple of mentors, talk to a couple of advisors and, and investors, and what I realized is that once we started generating revenue, generating more revenue was a lot easier. Mm-hmm. But getting over the hump of shipping product where someone would pay for it, building the Facebook lookalike audiences so we knew you know, how to find the next 10 million people that look like the, the first thousand or, or 2000 people that came on and paid us. Those things are so important. And so I went all in, built a foundation. I put up a profile everywhere on the internet I could find so you could start ranking in search. I put up as many you know, articles, I, you know, did as much as possible to rank because all of that effort will eventually capitalize on itself almost, mm-hmm. you know, exponentially. Yeah. Um, so those are some of the things I would say, I'm sure I missed something, but those are some of the things that come to mind in terms of if I knew earlier. I mean, some of those are, are just lessons you just learn along the way. I mean, it, it's not like yeah. we made big mistakes early and we're, we're trying to recover from them. I mean, this yeah. is just like, you know, what's, what's, this is part of the journey. You know, you just are, you don't yeah. know everything at the beginning. Um, but it is, it is interesting. I mean, that I think of all the, the things that you've mentioned today, the one that I, I think might've been the most costly would be, you know, not vetting, you know, maybe the investors the people. or people, yeah. you know, well at the very beginning. And, and you said not shipping, shipping said, the product too. Having said that, never have any regrets because everything that happens is a lesson. Exactly. Um, and uh, if you don't play the role of a victim and you actually play the role of a, you know, someone who has a lesson to learn that other people don't, you have a, you know, a, a chip now, you have an experience now, you're actually a much better founder. I mean, especially with the Reg CF stuff that we're doing with the equity crowdfunding, working under the scrutiny of the SEC, having to follow so many rules and regulations. Um, you know, as I'm speaking, I'm constantly thinking about what can I say publicly, what can mm. I not say. Yeah, it just matures you as a founder light years ahead of your time. Yeah. Um, and uh, if and when I'm able to IPO the company, um, and you know, and and take it to the next level, I know probably more so than most founders will. You know, I'm speaking to their their banking partners. You know, at that level. Um, so I, I think everything happens for a reason, and it happens for a good reason. So what do the next five years look like in your mind? Next five years? I mean, I I know that's, that's like a lifetime in entrepreneur world. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it's been five years since I put down the first, you know, uh, I guess, pixels on my Adobe Illustrator uh, canvas and started drawing out the, the first version of Woofy. Um, I would say definitely further along in terms of customers, um, revenue much, much further along to the point that we're profitable. Um, and uh, potentially, you know, in the public space in terms of listed on an exchange, mm-hmm. if, if I can do that. Um, that's obviously not guaranteed, but something I'd, I'd like to do. Um, and probably, you know, with a team internationally, we have a team internationally today, but probably, you know, 10 times bigger, uh, 15 times bigger so that we can actually keep up with our growth. Um, and personally, you know, <laughs> It used to be that I only, only wanted to build my company, only wanted to scale it, only wanted to make money. But today, having lost my mom a, a few years ago, it's uh, one of the other most important things on my mind is taking care of my dad. Yeah. So he wants a log cabin on the side of a mountain. He's a hiker. He's a mountaineer. He's a climber. Professional. I mean, he was a professional climber at one point. He's now getting back into it. Um, so definitely spending more time with him. And and uh, yeah. I think now, now I'm doing things for different reasons. I'm doing it to have a family in the future and, and things like that. Right. 
right? And it's certainly an internal driver. I mean, that that you have a you have a very strong why that, that gets you out of bed in the morning, you know, because you're probably yeah. not sleeping a whole lot anyway. But yeah. what have we not not touched on that you just like to kind of wrap us up with today? And then I, I want you to share where's the best place to find you online. It's a great question. I mean, I think just keeping in mind how technology is evolving, um, I'm constantly thinking about. So I was in Albany just a few yesterday actually to get my state ID done because I couldn't get an appointment at the DMV in this city. So I went two and a half hours north, three hours north to uh, get my state ID built, made there. And just constantly think about what drives people. You know, why, why are people up there in general or just in general in suburbia, they have a different level of energy. They have a different level of mindset. Um, but then when you come into a major city, then there's a completely, you know, it's like, I have to do this really quickly. I have to get from point A to point B. I have to, you know, you know, do something which is very ambitious. There's just start looking at the psychology of people and what, you know, ticks them, what triggers them. Because when it comes to marketing, you not only have to be very simple in your words and almost like a Donald Trump level, which is like 10th grade or not 10th grade, a third, a third grade level, 10 year old language. You want to start noticing what is actually happening in people's minds. So I was having conversations on the train and when I got there. And people were so friendly and they were taking their time. One of the guys at the museum would, you know, drop me off at the train station because I couldn't find an Uber. It took 20 minutes to get an Uber. And then, but then I realized that wouldn't happen in the city. Like people are too, like, as soon as the bell rings, they're yep. out. They're, you know, trying to get on the subway and run. And so marketing to them has to be more on point. The reason I say that is because from a technology standpoint, one of the theories I have is that we've been going from an evolutionary standpoint. We've been going from frames per second to ways per second. So we had Facebook originally, then we had Twitter, which was kind of more about the mobile side of things as you know, hardware became more powerful and mobile technology became more powerful. But then we realized that Pinterest came out of nowhere, Instagram came out of nowhere, which are both all very visual. They were static images at one point. And now we have TikTok, which is images, but multiple images together stacked on top of each other. We call it a video. So frames per second as hardware grew and became better and better, it allowed for a lot more intimacy, a lot more engagement and different kinds of marketing in that. So that's one thing. Now on the other side, audio waves per second, we then really have a platform where audio was at the core of social interaction. MySpace came, came close to it a little bit, but we were really you know, uh, uh, at the behest of, of the you know, internet companies. But today Clubhouse, it's real-time audio. It's what yep. we're doing right now with multiple people. Yep. And the things that we're doing with uh, smart speakers is also about audio and commerce. And it's also now bringing in that first theory, which is, you know, waves per, uh, uh, um, frames per second, which is a visual means with an audio layer and having commerce at the core of it. So I'm always fascinated from a psychology standpoint, from an anthropology standpoint, how is society developing? Because even the things we talk about from an emoji standpoint, it's just hieroglyphics. Mm. And if you take a look at cuneiform yep. from the Middle East, if you take a look at <laughs> yes. Chinese medicine, Chinese uh, not Chinese medicine, but Chinese language overall, it's so fascinating how we're visual creatures. And whether you talk about marketing, you talk about anything, even the even the the, the piece of metal we send into space to on Voyager, it's all about being visual. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't talk about too much about visuals and whatnot, but I think that's important. <laughs> yeah, that absolutely, absolutely. Well, remind the uh, listeners of your website again. Yeah, it's just hellowoofy.com, which is H-E-L-L-O-W-O-O-F-Y.com. My email's on the bottom. Reach out at any point. They'll tell me your story as a small business owner, as an underdog, you know, how you built your business. What are some of the things you're going through? What are some of the features we could add to our, 
our marketing platform for you because that that does just helps us be a better small business ourselves. I mean, this is uh, I, we've done this episode, we've done this this podcast for about three years, and this is one of those times that I feel like that, that I've talked to somebody that we could we could really be reading about and seeing on TV a lot in the oh near future. God. So, Thank yeah, I think there's some really real potential that. with uh, with what you've got going there, and it, I mean it. We, I'm, we may be chatting with the next unicorn founder right here right on, on this little podcast called Rising Tide Startups. But uh, Arjun, really appreciate you taking the time and just really playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Have a great you. evening. You too. Virtual hugs. <laughs> <laughs> Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.